Welcome back to Psyched for Peds, the child mental health podcast for pediatric clinicians, helping you help kids. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Faluco, child psychiatrist and mom. Today, I'm going to share some tips about evaluating kids for ADHD. So we'll start by talking about a clinical case and then go through the differential diagnosis, tools used in the evaluation, and then focus on how to talk to parents about a diagnosis of ADHD and also how to explain to kids what it means to have ADHD. So let's get started with a case. This case is about a nine-year-old boy who is in third grade, and he has a history of some early childhood speech delays for which he'd been receiving speech therapy. And he was referred for an evaluation of anger outbursts and particularly impulsive aggression. So what would happen is that somebody would tell him, no, like you're not allowed to do this or you've got to switch from playing Roblox to doing something else. And then he'd get really annoyed and react very quickly. The examples that mom gave are that he would punch his older sister or at recess when a little kid was annoying him or bugging him, he would hit the other kid or get in fights, some of which led to suspensions. And then in class, he would talk back to the teacher and once threw a water bottle across the classroom. And then this next one I can totally relate to. But basically, when this little guy was in first grade and he was having to do remote virtual schooling due to the pandemic, he would get so frustrated with his assignments that one time he took his tablet and he threw it across the room. It actually broke the tablet. Hearing this, can you relate to feeling so frustrated with virtual school or remote work or Zoom meetings or telehealth that you just want to throw a tablet or cell phone across the room? I definitely can. So I feel a kinship with this little guy. And in general, I've really come to love some of these kids with behavior problems because I feel for them. I think when you exhibit what's called bad behavior, you can easily be labeled as a bad kid. But the way I see it, behavior is just telling us that somebody is frustrated, is overwhelmed, and they're having trouble dealing with the challenge or the stress that's around them. When we see behavioral problems, it's important to remember they just reflect that somebody doesn't feel really well inside. And then it's up to us to try to figure out what's going on and to try to help them. On the differential for this little guy with anger outbursts and impulsive aggression, as well as hyperactivity and impulsivity, we first want to think about the possibility of a developmental disorder or intellectual disability, as well as learning disorders. Kids with developmental delay will often have trouble verbalizing their frustrations and will act out physically. This little boy had some issues with speech that had improved with speech therapy, but there were no other developmental challenges and no signs of autism spectrum disorder. Neither parents nor teachers were concerned about possible learning disabilities or learning differences. So then once you rule out neurodevelopmental disorders and learning disorders, the differential diagnosis for emotional outbursts in a school-age neurotypical child would be ADHD and or the big three, anxiety, trauma, and some sort of mood disorder like depression. Given how common ADHD is in school-age kids, let's start by thinking about that. Typically, kids with ADHD present around 6 to 12 years old, but sometimes you can see kids who have significant impairment who are in preschool or on the other side of the spectrum, kids who are very bright and who have managed to skate by elementary school just on hard work, grit, and raw intelligence. It's only when they get to middle school or high school where the organizational demands are much higher, you start to see the wheels fall off a little bit. And that's when it becomes more clear that they have had symptoms of inattention for a long time, but they just haven't 
caused a problem because they've been working around. And these are the kids that typically don't have major impairing problems with hyperactivity and impulsivity. And so they're not drawing the attention of the teacher or their coaches for any sort of behavior problems. So ADHD is characterized by inattention, hyperactivity, and impulsivity. Of course, there's also a subset of ADHD kids who don't have as much of the hyperactivity and impulsivity. Those kids struggle more with the problems with attention and concentration. And these kids often get overlooked until they're much older because they're not disruptive and it's not causing behavior problems. As far as the impulsivity is concerned, it's important to remember that there's physical impulsivity, like having trouble keeping your hands to yourself and perhaps the throwing of water bottles and tablets. And then there's verbal impulsivity, like blurting out answers, interrupting during conversations, having trouble waiting your turn. A clinical pearl is that ADHD is also associated with emotional impulsivity. So this refers to the kids who get really stressed or really triggered and go from zero to 60 really quickly and get really upset. And of course, we saw emotional impulsivity in this little guy in a lot of different ways. When I'm gathering information about ADHD, the rating scale I like to use is the Vanderbilt. It's pretty easy to complete, and it can be given to the parents as well as to the teachers to get collateral about how the kid is performing at home and at school. If you're a teenager, I sometimes use the Vanderbilt parent form to have the teenager do a self-report. So for him, we did some Vanderbilts, got his teacher to weigh in and his caregivers, and they were pan positive across the board, lots of symptoms of inattention in addition to hyperactivity and impulsivity. That sounds a lot like ADHD, and it really could be ADHD. But if we stop there, let's think about what we could be missing. As we go down the differential diagnosis, we've started our evaluation for ADHD. So the next thing we want to think about in the evaluation are the big three, anxiety, trauma, and some sort of mood disorder. So we use screening tools to evaluate him for anxiety and trauma. For our friends and colleagues who are listening, you will be unsurprised to hear that I decided to screen him for anxiety using the SCARED screener. As you know, I prefer that to the GAD-7. While the SCARED is longer, it includes information about generalized anxiety, separation anxiety, social anxiety, delves into panic disorder, anxiety attacks, physical symptoms of anxiety, and anxiety surrounding school. As opposed to the GAD-7, which focuses primarily on just generalized anxiety disorder. And then for trauma, we checked the pediatric traumatic stress screening tool. So luckily, both of those came back negative, which makes me less concerned about possible anxiety or trauma that is resulting in these behavior problems. So we've ruled out two of the three, and now we move on to the third potential issue on the differential diagnosis, which would be some sort of mood disorder. Given that he's only nine years old, I'm much less concerned about depression and would not even give a PHQ-9, but instead I would just clinically ask mom about his mood. And mom describes him as generally pretty happy, except for the few times a week when he gets really frustrated by his sister or by whatever's happening at school. I specifically asked about irritability, if she feels like he's constantly on edge or that little things tend to set him off or that it seems like it's hard for him to just be happy for more than a couple of hours at a time. And she said, no, no, he's generally a pretty happy boy. So to summarize, we have a developmentally typical nine-year-old boy with significant anger outbursts, abnormal ADHD rating scales from parents and teachers, but no signs of the big three, anxiety, trauma, or mood disorders. So diagnostically, it really sounds like ADHD. So the next step is we have to talk to the family about the diagnosis. 
I talked to mom and I said, it really does look, based on the feedback from teachers and what you're telling me and the Vanderbilts, that he has ADHD. When you tell parents this, sometimes they will say, I don't really think it's ADHD because when you see him playing Roblox, he is super focused. I don't think he has an attention deficit or a problem with attention because he can really tune into that and do really well. And this gets to the point of ADHD truly is a misnomer. I think the name of the diagnosis, attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder is really misleading for so many reasons, but probably the largest of which is that it says attention deficit. And the reality is that these kids don't have a deficit of attention. If they're doing something that they're highly excited about, like playing video games, or they're highly motivated in, maybe it's on the baseball field, they love the sport, and they're really working hard to pay attention to the coach because they want to get better and improve their skills. In those settings where there's a high degree of motivation, you can see these kids hyper-focus and have almost super amazing attention. And the issue only becomes when kids are asked to do things that are very boring, let's say potentially homework or schoolwork, that's when you start to see problems with inattention because their motivation is low. They're not that excited about writing their spelling words three times or they're doing their, their various math problems. And so in those settings is really when you start to see problems where they don't want to finish the assignment or they just rush through because it feels very boring and then they make careless mistakes. So we talked with mom and she understood, okay, definitely when you describe the problems with inattention, I can see my son has that. And he also definitely has the impulsivity. Now this makes sense. I think I buy into the idea of ADHD. Once you talk with the parent about the diagnosis, it is really important to check in with the child, knowing that they may feel embarrassed or ashamed about the problems that are bringing them in to see you, and they may not understand what ADHD is all about. While we're seeing ADHD as something completely separate from IQ and intelligence level, their lived experience is that school can be really hard, or it doesn't come as easily to them, or they're not doing as well as some of their peers, and so they interpret that to mean I'm stupid or just I'm not really good at that. I often hear these kids say, I'm just not as smart as the other kids. And especially kids who come to the diagnosis of ADHD later, like in middle school, because they are so bright and they've managed to work around it for so long. When I'm working with kids with ADHD, I try to remember that and to make sure to say, look, this is not a question of you being smart or not smart. I like to try to help kids see the strengths of having a diagnosis of ADHD. And I like to remind them that a lot of incredibly highly successful athletes and people in business and healthcare and all sorts of fields and artists and creatives have ADHD and that people with ADHD tend to be very creative and tend to be thinking of a lot of things at the same time, to be very fun, spontaneous, and to like to do new things. I like to tell kids that their brains are beautiful, that for some people, their brains like to focus on one thing and tune out everything else and just focus on that one thing for a long period of time. Whereas for kids with ADHD, they're actually paying attention to a bunch of different things all at the same time and toggling back and forth from one thing to another. And there can be a lot of strengths in that, and it just depends on the situation. So the takeaways from this episode, number one, be curious about behavior problems. When you see a kid with quote-unquote bad behavior, Remember that this is our cue to dig deeper to try to figure out what's going on. 
And then on the differential diagnosis for kids who are presenting with behavior problems, think about developmental disorders, intellectual disability, learning disorders, and then assuming that you've evaluated those, then you can start thinking about ADHD and or the big three, anxiety, trauma, and mood disorders. And then finally, we talked about positive ways to talk to parents and kids about the diagnosis of ADHD. So next week, we're going to shift and talk a little bit about a simple approach to treatment for ADHD. So tune in to join us then. Thank you so much for tuning in to Psyched for Peds. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with a friend. Please also feel free to visit our website, psychedforpeds.com. Follow us on Instagram at psychedforpeds. And reach out to us at info at psychedforpeds.com. Shoot us an email. And let us know what do you want to learn about, what's interesting to you, and what topics should we be covering. That's it for this week. See you next time.